everyone, and welcome to the Never Open Podcast, the podcast open to everyone, except anyone involved in doing any form of sound work at Capital Collision. My name is what? My name is what? Where? My name is Luke. <laughs> I'm your host of the Never Open Podcast, and with me, as always, is Mr. Guy. Say hello, Mr. Guy. Hey, I'm that Mr. Guy, and I'm here to talk about Capital Collision, and I'm interested to hear you. You always have a problem with the audio or the production of some kind, and uh, I'm interested to hear what it is this time because I thought it was not bad. You know, the the ring sounded weird, but I don't know. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it, Luke. Uh, I have a few things to to say about it. Look, I think like the biggest thing for me, Mister Guy, is like this was like thirty dollar dues. So if I'm paying my money. I want it to work good. <laughs> Is that so much to ask? Every American show I've ever, well, both of us have ever purchased and watched. Is that so much to ask? At least it didn't start fucking 45 minutes late, Mr. Andy. So uh, yeah, there is that. That is So, fair. yeah, before we uh, continue uh, talking about Capital Collision and all things New Japan Pro Wrestling, there's ways people can interact with us if they wish to. We're on the Tweety. I'm at Grumpy2EB. Mr. Guy's at Drusifer Tweets. Collectively, we are at NeverOpenPod. And if you want to send us a written or voice email, uh, don't do it this week because one of our voice emails is really long. But uh, <laughs> otherwise, NeverOpenPod at gmail.com. Yeah, man. I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about that. But, Luke, before we get into Capital Chaos, you went to a certain live uh events in australia and melbourne tell us all about it i did uh so i'll, I'll do a little tease now is uh I've, I've got a little recording uh that i did with uh my sister michelle it's only about 30 minutes but uh, i'll send it to you mr andy after we record here but uh it's us talking about tamashi and my wife drove so it is road home from wrestling style i, I hope you appreciate that yeah. <laughs> but yeah we went to uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling's Tamashi we went to the Melbourne show at the Croxton, same same venue as last time, and it was it was awesome. Uh, uh, I can't say whether or not I liked this more than the previous show because uh, uh, I don't know if everyone remembers, but the last show was my wedding anniversary, so you know that's kind of going to stick out for me. But this show was absolutely incredible. It was it was really good fun. There's a good mix of uh, Aussie and Kiwi wrestlers there. Like you've got uh, some Aussie wrestlers that work in in the scene here, but you've also got uh, a lot of Farley guys, you know, from the dojo, Farley dojo boys as well, doing their thing, which is really cool to see. And then uh, you know it's it's a easy time watching uh, guys like uh, uh, Slex wrestle, Robbie Eagles of course, Shingo and uh, Hiroki Goto, all those kind of guys. So. Yeah, really, really super fun show. The main event was just incredible. But uh, I did do a bit of uh, meet and greets at the start. I'll just I'll make you laugh here, Andy, because I'm, I'm, I'm in there, the meet and greet section. And the, everyone's fights were delayed, like uh, Shingo's, Goto's, and Farley's. Wow. So they were f- 15 minutes late, which, which all. <laughs> And which means the show started 15 minutes late because I had to go do the meet and greet stuff. You couldn't rip the fans off, right? So uh, I hope Gino wasn't too uh, frantic about the uh, <laughs> the latest start time. But 
uh, as I'm waiting in line to get in, I keep looking through the window inside. I'm like, don't see him, don't see him. And there he is. With it. And then I saw him, the dragon, with his King of Pro Wrestling belt coming in and, and taking his seat. So that was really nice. cool. We get in there and Farley's got the same thing he had last time. 50 bucks, he'll give you a chop. No one took him up on it at the last time Ashley show I was at. About four or five people took him up on it this time, and each time it was like a gunshot going off and got fans holding their chest going, <laughs> He's not going to kayfabe it, but he's not going to probably do it so hard that you're dead. But he can't kayfabe it because then you'd be like, oh, this guy's a giant pussy. So, of course, he's going to have to chop you. <laughs> oh, I would not pay I think that I think he is 100% deciding how hard he's going to hit you and how you approach the whole situation you know what i mean if you oh, go yeah. over there and act like an asshole then you're getting chopped really hard i guarantee you that's how it works <laughs> that's right because he, awesome. he just wants to punch him in the face i just remember that time he was on commentary and that's all he said he's got a face do you want to punch it says kevin yep <laughs> <laughs> so the last time i went to Mashi, it was mostly kind of like uh aussie you guys weren't any Japanese New Japan wrestlers there. So I, I guess it was like kind of all, all free when you get into the meet and greet for the, you know, any stuff you want to get signed or selfies and stuff like that. But uh, Shingo and Goto, 20 bucks autographs, 20 bucks photos. Oh, that's fine. It is what it is. But then I'm just like, well, and I forgot all about that kind of thing till I was there. So I was just like, well, if I have to choose between Shingo and Goto, I'm going to go for Shingo. Well, and yeah. then I'm going to wave to Goto and then just go shake Robbie Eagle's hand, buy a T-shirt off him and take another photo with him. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's kind of what I did. So uh, I'm wearing it right now, my uh, Robbie Eagle's TMDK shirt. It's really nice. Yeah, I, you joined I, the uh, crew. I did, but uh, I'm a bit of a traitor, Mr. Guy, because either um, I've, I got an email yesterday that says uh, either uh, today, tomorrow, or Friday – I'll get another T-shirt, and uh, it'll oh. say uh, just five guys on it. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Charity is happy to know that uh, I'm I'm going on a freaking another T-shirt fucking binge. I'm sure she's really impressed. Hey, <laughs> you joined TMDK? So what? You're gonna change on Friday right. when you get your T-shirt. So, so I already die. <laughs> That's right. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. All right, Luke. Well, are you ready to talk about this show, Capital Chaos, that was a show that we sure did watch? Yeah, I'm I'm really ready to to, uh, to check this out. Uh, before we do that, I just want to point out that there was an IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Title Match on Rampage. Oh yeah, uh, this past week, and uh, it was Best Friends versus Aussie Open, and oh my god. Best friends of the new champions, because uh, no, nah, I'm joking. Yeah, because uh, New <laughs> Japan guys always job on uh, AW now. Nah, right. Nah, it's nah. Aussie, Aussie Open one really hot, fun, solid match. Uh, good stuff. So yeah. So they're the I first New Japan talents, which I mean they're kind of Ring of Honor talents too, so it's it's not quite the same. But they're the first like New Japan guys to come over and win. So <laughs> that's yeah. pretty cool. Good job, Aussie Open. Fucking. You know, it, again, we said on the last episode, but here here they are just a couple months out from saying they didn't have any bookings. <laughs> and they're like the champions of everything. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's right. So, um, you got new tag you, belt collectors. <laughs> well, are you ready now? Because I want to tell you about this venue, Luke. 
Fuck yeah, tell us about it. Oh, you think they have generic names in uh, Japan? Well, this one is called The Entertainment and Sports Arena. <laughs> wow. And that's what it's called. And it is in Washington, D.C., southeast of the city. And the arena is home to the uh, Washington Mystics of the WNBA. Okay, okay. Dolphins will whoop their ass. The capital city go-go of the NBA G League, which is like way below the B League in Japan. Just saying. In addition, well, yes, Luke. If they've got any kids, I would whoop their ass at Dream Shooter Junior. Oh yeah, they, their kids, their grandparents, whoever they are, you'll whoop their ass. The yeah. Actual basketball players themselves, maybe not. But yeah. uh, in addition, it houses <laughs> a, pra- a practice facility for the Washington Wizards of the NBA. So a lot of basketball going on in this place. The arena was open in 2018. Now, Luke, this setup, you know, a long time ago. It was quite a while ago. We were watching wrestling, and the ring was just floating in space, just like that movie Dark City. And that's kind of mm. the same vibe that this show gave me. Everything's blacked out. And on the hard cam, you're looking at the ring, and the, the crowd's kind of far away from the ring. So because of that, they're not visible. So it just looks like dudes, if you have the sound down, it looks just like dudes just wrestling in a ring by themselves. And um, I, I was disappointed in that a little bit. Um, but Luke, tell me about the sound. All right. It was, did I have the little ring as well? They, okay. So I was going to talk about the ring. Actually, this, I think it's an 18 foot ring. So it's not really noticeable that it's much like, uh, you know, smaller than the 20 by 20 other than the extra foot of apron that's missing. Obviously is that uh. like what, like in the main event, that's when it got obvious when you got these, you know, really large dudes in there and when okada hit the drop kick that was when it was like okay this is definitely smaller than 20 by 20 but it doesn't look like a 16 footer that looks really small and a 14 footer is a lot of times what you'll see in indie shows and it looks really small so i think it's an 18 footer that's my long way of telling you yes that's it's a different (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate the detail all right so let me get this out of the way dear, dear listeners before uh we, we start Capital Collision because uh, there are sound issues. Now, I uh, did check out a couple of the English-speaking uh, GIFs of a, a couple of things here and there on the Tweety as they happened, and also just to test how it sounded on that on their feed. And I was like, this is on fight. And I was like, oh, the fight GIFs sound actually really awesome. Why doesn't mine sound like that? Uh, I watched uh, – well, we both watched the New Japan Pro Wrestling feed uh, – there's a couple reasons for this. Actually, no, the big reason I do this rather than uh, just get it on fight and listen to Ian Riccoboni on the commentary is because I dodged a bullet. So I'm going to be- complain about the sound in a minute, Mr. Guy, I promise. Oh, okay. But I will say this. I'd rather have the sound problems than listen to Alex Kozlov on commentary. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks, man, because they got they got Ian Riccoboni, who's very good. You have yeah, Veda, Veda Scott, who's tremendous, and she's just awesome. Mm. And then you have Kozlov. So it's like quite a quite a dichotomy there. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> that, that is what it is. And the sound, look, I could hear the music and the commentary just fine and like yeah. any kind of microphone calls like five minutes five minutes past but i could barely hear the wrestlers and i could barely hear the crowd like the crowds are like a non-issue for me this whole show so it and not, not only that in the 
bottom left corner of the screen where it might say what the match is or whatever like that. Rather than do that, it just has this little line at the bottom left corner of the screen, and it's there at various points for fucking ages. And I'm just like, what are you, what are you doing? This is the kind of rookie bullshit that I would do if I was doing something like this because I don't know what I'm doing. How many of these have you done? You're an international company. Oh, my God. <laughs> Every American show sounds weird and doesn't go off without a hitch. It, I don't know why they they've had. When how long ago was the last show? They've had that at least. Didn't it's have been wait years. Years. It's been they've been doing shows it's in been. America for years. So so there's kind of no excuse. So someone's doing them a dirty over there, and they've got to change some stuff. Uh, at least in terms of like making it sound consistently good for three hours, if possible. Uh, so, other than that, uh, the show's fine. It's so, not my favorite of these American shows, though. I will say that. Yeah, that's true. You know, that and, last one was really good. The, the <coughs> one in the valley, yeah. that one was really good. But, yeah. Luke, I want to talk about the sound a little bit. So, um, I thought that it was better than usual, but I noticed something that only someone like me would notice. And that is that they obviously were doing something to the audio that was the the live mics that were pointed at the ring and at the crowd whatever was picking up the crowd and the ring they had some kind of effect on it and i or they were boosting it like they had the gain turned up or they had something to kind of boost the signal to make it sound louder and the reason i know that is because it had these weird swishy artifacts to them and like if you if you slow something down just a little bit it does that if you like try to compress it too much it does that so it was obviously they were like doing the test before the you know before the show and they're like ah we can't quite hear the the crowd in the ring so let's crank that up which makes it sound super weird and the the ring itself sounded like it was made of old tin cans so i don't know what was going on there but i it did get better and i felt like that in the main event in particular, the crowd was really audible and it was almost even. It sounded pretty good by that point. So, yep. So uh, I'll, I'll try to promise to uh, not keep bringing up uh, any annoying sound issues and stuff. I pretty much, I made the Kozlov joke too, so I'm pretty happy. So, uh... no. well, well, what was the first match, Luke? All right. So we got a pre show match here and it is Jorel Nelson and Royce Isaacs. Hey, I missed Royce. Uh, Versus, um, I don't know Jarrell Nelson as much, but uh, Royce, ever since that, uh, what uh, what was he here for? G1. G1, that's right. With Tom Waller, I love that shit. Versus a bad dude, Tito. <gasps> and Shane Haste. Hey, it's the bad dude. Yay. Oh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned it with uh, Michelle or if we've mentioned it here, but uh, Slex. Uh, Slex the business. He was, uh, he came out with, Robbie Eagles for his match to mm. offer support, and he's wearing a TM DK shirt. So there you go. His uh, finisher is called the Slex executioner, I think, which is fucking awesome. So someone in the crowd yelled out, "Take your Slex genity!" <laughs> so uh, there was that 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 happened. Anyway, uh, Jarrell Nelson, Royce X versus Bad Dude T Do and Shane Haste. Uh, this is pretty solid stuff. I'm really I'm, look. The thing about this match is I'm just happy to see bad dude Tito again. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he 
Haste and Nichols definitely got lost in the shuffle for a little bit when uh, Jonah left, but bad dude Tito. Wow, I didn't. We weren't sure if he'd ever see him again in Japan or <laughs> New Japan stuff. Like we're just like still not sure. Yeah, is is Tito coming back to Japan? He was he was pretty good. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> and. Uh, it, it's really solid stuff, but uh, bad dude, he wins with some kind of uh, DVD, Death Valley Driver TKO thing for the finish on, I'm pretty sure, uh, Jarrell Nelson. So, yeah. I thought it was Royce Isaacs. And because oh, he, you, yes, that's he's correct. And yeah. the reason is, is because he didn't wear his, his tracksuit again. That's right. What the fuck My are bad, you doing? fam. That I fucked up. He fucked up, fam. <laughs> Tremendous. So, uh, Luke, you know, we're so excited after that match. Can't wait for the show to start. Oh, we got a 30-minute break here. So um, so 30 minutes of nothing. And then we get a 10-man tag to start the show. And this is fun. So it's a lot of people. It is, in fact, Kushida, Kevin Knight, the Jet Setters, Gabe Kidd, Volador Jr., and Speedball Mike Bailey, Luke, versus Sexy Chucky T, Rocky Romero, the DKC, Leo Rush, and Clark Connors. So, uh, Gabe Kid, what was he doing? He grabs the mic to start the show, and he's like, yeah, let's get this show cracking. And then just, like, puts the mic down. Like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> thanks, thanks, Gabriel Kid. <laughs> he, like, forgot what he was going to say, or he just did that for some reason. So uh, Let's get crack-a-lacking, everyone. <laughs> yeah, like, what was that? So, <laughs> he, he and Clark Connors, they start. They do strong style for wrestling, and everybody's in the pool, like, right away. And it was like, oh, okay. Everybody brawls and they're angry because you know why, Luke? Strong. That is why. So the DKC and Bailey, they trade kicks. Bad idea for the DKC. And you actually can hear the crowd chanting for speedball here. Can hear speedball, you know, like a speedball chant. It's great. And I was like, oh, the crowd exists. Because before this, I couldn't hear them at all. So yeah. the DKC hits a double drop kick on the jet setters and kind of just beats their asses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He tags in Leah Rush, who gets a decent reaction. And then uh, he beats up the Jet Setters, too. <laughs> and gets a Spanish fly for two can on Kevin Knight. And I kind of want to see those two wrestle. That's pretty good. So uh, he eats a shotgun drop kick after a rush hour attempt. And then Mike Bailey's in versus Leo Rush. And it's pretty damn cool. I wish it lasted a little mm. longer. But uh, yes. So, yeah. Well, let me finish this up. I want to hear what you think about uh, Speedball. So, anyway, then Leah Rush uh, and then Kevin Knight. And then even Chucky T gets a dive. And Gabe Kidd try, <laughs> he, he tries to suplex DKC out of the ring. It just gets destroyed by a Canadian spear out of nowhere from Connors, which was good storytelling, you know? So, because, uh, you know, he called him out at the beginning of the match. He got fucking Canadian speared. What are you going to do? So, Doomsday dropkick from the Jet Setters from the apron to the floor. Kevin Knight gets a little help uh, with a springboard crossbody, which is kind of cool. They, like, yank on the ropes to help him. And uh, I like that. And then Volador pins Rocky for the win. So I don't know. I thought that was fun. But uh, Luke, uh, tell me, what did you think of Mike ba Bailey? And then what did you think of what happened after the match? <laughs> All right. I like the impression I got from Mike Bailey right away. Uh, I think this dude's pretty awesome. He's doing his kicks and stuff. I'm like, yep. There's just one thing I really don't like. Put some shoes on. Nah. You're going to hurt your feet. Nah, he's wearing them right. <laughs> He's, he's actually wearing kick pads the way you're supposed to wear them. So I know it That's looks a, weird, uh, but man, he's so good, dude. It's funny you mentioned the, because uh, my note here is like, yay, it's Bailey and Rush. Oh, it's over. 
<laughs> and then it's like, I'm like, everyone's doing dives, even Chucky e. T. So yeah, uh, right out of uh, my brain right there. This is really cool, fun stuff. Mind you, wasn't Volador and Rocky feuding the last American show? Are they still feuding? They're fighting Once around Volador... the world, Luke. <laughs> <coughs> fighting around the world like Russell Crowe. <laughs> yes. So post-match, like, uh, I don't know, DKC must have said something to Clark Connors, and Clark Connors must have taken umbrage to it or or, or something, because Clark Connors just beats the shit out of the DKC, just wails on him, just <laughs> kicks his ass and leaves. And uh, everyone on the, on the tweet is just going, like, Bullet Club? Bullet Club, maybe? Bullet Club? Really? Oh, okay. They called it. Well, I just figured wherever he was, Milano Collection AT was very sad all of a sudden. So. Yeah. So was Taguchi. Yeah, probably. Man, Wild Asses would have been such a great tag team. But, <laughs> oh, well. We got the Ass Masters instead. But, uh, yeah, so keep that in, in your head, everyone. Connors beats up the DKC. And then uh, next we have, see, <clears throat> I like this match on paper because I really like oh. AR Fox because yeah. Dante Fox is fucking awesome. But in reality, I'm just like, well, David Finley's win- winning this. Sorry, AR Fox, like you're losing. Uh, but David Finley comes out <gasps> by himself. I guess uh, Gato's got, got his work cut out for him in Japan at the moment. So uh, <clears throat> that's all right. So it's not just a El Fantasmo thing. It's a uh, everyone thing because... Uh, our Fox starts doing crowd-pleasing rope acrobatics, and Finley's like, nah, get down from that. No, not having you do that. <laughs> There's this really cool, like, leaping middle turnbuckle stunner thing that AR Fox does, and uh, this is just, it's really cool. I think it's a really cool, like, little showcase for AR Fox before David Finley beats him. Which makes me think, like, this would have been a good weekly strong match, <laughs> not a pay-per-view match. Yeah, that's fair. But it's still a really fun, interesting time. Like, I'd love it if they built AR Fox to the point anywhere. He, like, I know he signed with AEW as well. If they build him up anywhere to the point where people are just like, <gasps> who knows you might win? This is going to be awesome. I'm, I'll be happy with that because he's a badass. He's great. So... Yeah, there's a really cool blue thunder bomb. There's a, like a ma- amazing spinning brain buster by AR Fox. There's this top rope Spanish fly, then a 450 by him as well. So he's getting a lot of time to get to do all this cool shit. But uh, Finley's able to withstand it all and hits his uh, his his finisher, which I can't remember what you call it. So I'm gonna have to hurt your ears and say <gasps> the trash panda. Who's all it? I didn't like this match very much, Luke. I thought it was fine, you know, but you expect a lot more out of both these guys. And it just kind of, it seemed like it was in slow motion at times. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's like fucking, I don't know. Yeah, it's, there's like boring heat spots. And it's just like, that's stomps and headlocks versus Air Fox. That's what you're doing. Anyway. I think people like Air Fox. Like, I hope people like Air Fox because I do. But. Yeah, as a wrestler and all that. But no one's been given a reason to love him and, like, get behind him. Like, I mean, story-wise and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, because otherwise people might might have cared a bit more for this match and all this this kind of stuff. But everyone knows when they see this match, they're like, oh, yeah, David Finley's coming out. And they're already looking past it to the next match. 
kind of, you know? Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I was just expecting more, and we didn't get that. So anyway, it just looked like they were going through the motions. So anyway, Finley gets the mic, and he calls out Clark Connors, right, Luke? And he says, hey, bro, I sure do like how you beat up the DKC. Too sweet, right? And Connors joins Bullet Club. Good for him. He's going to make some money. Good. That's good. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's good as a fan watching the show, but I'm happy for him, you know, because that that's cool, you know. Yeah, I like it too. It, it's it doing something for Connors. I feel like if I feel like when there's too many people in Hontai slash Chaos, and you can get lost in the face shuffle a little bit, which is kind of what like I'm glad they got uh, Robbie Eagles out of there and put him in Team DK and. Probably a good thing to get the wild rhino out there because he'll he'll at least get some shine over in the in the bull club. So yeah, especially yeah. in the junior division. I mean, but I, I I look forward to his uh, bullet club heel shtick when I see him in the uh, best of super juniors. Yeah, man. Like uh, you know, and I can't you just see that rhino club shirt. That's gonna be a cool shirt. I won't buy it, it but it is gonna be cool. So. Anyway, Luke, next we have a IWGP TV title match. It's Boy George versus George Michael. I mean, <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. versus Law, uh, uh, Tom Lawler. And unfortunately, they don't have they don't have time for any any kind of shenanigans, which is unfortunate. This is uh, this has a very funny start to it because Lawler is going to do his denim removal like reveal thing, but the ref doesn't even know. So he just calls for the bell and, and Lawler's like, well, fuck. And has to just run over and do it real quick because he knows they have a whole match to do. And it's like, oh, okay. So they already fucked that up. Can't waste any of that precious 15 minutes, can you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, so oh, shit. I, it's just he has to just run over and do it real quick. And the crowd doesn't even get to cheer. They're just like, oh, okay. So they do like this cool, like rolling around uh, on the mat, looking like arm bars things. And it ends with a rope break. Uh, next they do some, the same kind of thing, but it's leg holds and this, you know, kind of devolves into slapping and double leg holds and big double slapping each other and stuff. So anyway, they they sent, uh, their strikes traded and Zack Sabre Jr. is losing these strike exchanges, you know? So, uh, of course, cause he's like Ishii, he picks a fight and then loses it so that he can win in the end, but he looks awesome. You know, his opponent looks awesome in the meantime. So uh, there's a dodge splash in the corner, and Zack Sabre Jr. hits the uh, homie arm whip. And I this is interesting because I think that's where Lawler's face got busted. I think he just went too hard into the corner and, like, hit his face on the ropes because no one touches his face, and all of a sudden he's bleeding. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was weird. Uh, so anyway, I think that's what happened. But Lawler, he wins a bunch of other strike exchanges and fires up for an exploder suplex that looked pretty good. There's a PK from Zack Sabre Jr. And he sells his foot. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that. You know, that scared me. But I guess he was just actually, he was just working me, brother. So finally, we get some New Japan counters. And this feels like a New Japan show for a second. And they move from counter to counter. And it looks great uh, with both guys um, doing shoot style, you know, stuff. And they're both that kind of, you know, wrestler. So Zack gets his bow and arrow arm hold. But Lawler is too close to the ropes, which is similar to what happened at the beginning of the match. I like that. Uh, there's a, a O'Connor roll. It's countered into a rear naked choke, but Zack Sabre Jr. moves right into the, uh, like some kind of clutch move. And a little rough here is that turns into another rear naked choke, but it doesn't, it's kind of, 
you know, and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, saved by the ropes. And that's also similar to what happened earlier in the match. So there's a guillotine choke. It's countered into the Zack driver. Oh, but he's too fucked to get the pin. And I'm like, man, driver. Yep. I love that move getting put over strong. It makes me laugh so hard. So any, <laughs> so unfortunately you didn't get the win with that, but really awesome looking jumping knee roundhouse and a PK from Lawler and Lawler gets a TTD fish out of water spot. Yeah, that was weird, but he did that when he was in the G1. So uh, there's a fish out of water spot. They do another one, and there's some kind of like trapping side pin from Zack Sabre Jr. I thought this match was okay. I'm not high on Lawler. We, you guys have heard me talk about it in the oh, past. Yeah. For a guy who's an MMA guy, his kicks look awful. And like, it's just like, I don't know. We've seen him have great matches against like Yuji Nagata and others. And, like, I don't remember any of them. So, like, to me, like, his first match with Zack Sabre Jr. had the fun part of it. And this didn't have that. So it just was, like, kind of, like, I don't know. And there's a lot. Of, this does bring up another point I'm going to bring up probably later. Is it there's parts of the show that don't feel anything like a New Japan show. So, you know, this is not a very Japanese match, in my opinion. It, mm. It's got the Zack Sabre Jr. stamp on it, you know, where he's doing the Ishii stuff and doing the kind of, like, you know, mirror type spots and stuff, but it just didn't didn't have that kind of rough as guts feel, as you would say, Luke. Yeah, I could see that. I had a pretty I had a pretty good time with it. Uh, I don't mind Lola. Uh, I think he turned me around some in that G1. Uh, so uh, I, I don't mind a bit of a bit of Lola. And uh, when I see these two wrestle, I want some of that George Michael. Um, you know, boy George shenanigans, and they only got 15 minutes. Get the fuck in there and wrestle. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> thanks, referee. We might have got a couple minutes of that before the fucking bell rang, but uh, I liked it. Like, I didn't love it, but yeah, you know, it was it was entertaining. It was definitely better than the previous match. So, yeah, and Zack Saber Jr. is like Mr. 15 minutes now. It's like it's it's they're getting to the point now where anyone who can beat him in that time it, it is gonna look like look huge unless it's Naito he's already huge but uh <laughs> but but in but that would make logic story sense too but yeah uh part of me I don't know I, I who takes it off him it's 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 hard to hard to guess but uh he's having an incredible run as uh with his first singles title and he's the first champion of that title as well so yeah, it's 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 good stuff. I'm pretty happy. Happy for Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, it's probably one of his nice. best years so far. Yeah. All right. So here's here's a match that uh, might make you feel like you're watching a New Japan Pro Wrestling show, Mister Guy. It is Tomohiro Ishii versus El Desperado. Ishii does what Ishii does. He's gonna stomp a mud hole in in Desperado's ass. That's what he's gonna do. So Desperate's going to do what he's going to do. And what's that, Mr. Guy? He's going to fuck his leg up. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's pretty much the, what this match is. This is like, uh, this is Desperate trying to withstand Ishii's punishment while Ishii tries not to get his leg all fucked up. Uh, <laughs> there's some great things in this, this match as well. Uh, I think, like, can we just say that I'm going to say it. Ishii's the master of the superplex. He does my favorite superplex. Like, yeah, I don't know why. Pretty good at it. It, it just it just rules. Uh, 
Despi gets uh, Ishii into like a brutal numero dose as well, and Ishii's just selling the shit out of it because he's had his leg all fucked up. Ishii uses his power to get out of it, though, which is really, really cool because, you know, it's a heavy versus a junior. There's some really fucking awesome near falls, but uh, I think there's only one part of this match I don't like, and it's been a little bit of my issues with other Desperado matches. And he hits Pinche Loco. All right, pin him. Nope, I'm going to pick yeah. him up and go for another one. Aww. Every time he does that, it makes me nervous because <laughs> half the time he gets the extra pinche loco, you know, the extra fuck you. But uh, the other 50% of the time, like this one, he gets lariated by uh, Ishii and then there's a brain buster by Ishii to win. I'm kind of underselling it here, everyone, but this match was really fucking good. good Great yeah. chemistry between El Desperado and Ishii. This is the kind of match that you want to see when you f- fire things up and you want to watch some New Japan. Like, this is a New Japan match. If you don't like it, why are you watching the show? <laughs> why are you listening to this podcast? kind <laughs> <laughs> uh, new... Ishii's a really good heavy for juniors to wrestle as well because I fit, cause I've seen him lose to a couple juniors now, or at least one, at least for Romu. So I, I can see him... Do doing that again in the future, and it won't hurt Ishii at all wow. because yeah, he's, he's just this beast of a badass. And if you beat him, no matter how big or small you are, you earned that shit. So yeah, right. really he's cool gonna make he's gonna make everybody look great, no matter who they are, you know. And yeah. there was a couple things in this match I thought were funny. One was that when Desperado finally got the first pinche loco, he totally did a doki. Yeah, <laughs> both his arms <laughs> went out, and I was like, oh my god, that was really funny. And uh, you know, I, I think that the lariat there at the end that destroyed Desperado like once and for all finally was absolutely insane and looked so awesome. So, all right, Luke, next to uh, on to this next thing that happened here. So I see, oh, the next match is Fred Rosser versus Juice Robinson. And I'm like, oh, OK, so I got to watch that now. OK. So we see that there is an empty seat ringside and it says reserved for Tony Storm, who is married to Juice Robinson. Good for him. And uh, why don't you be there already? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. We obviously missed something on social media or on Strong or whatever the fuck. So, you know, this is a match that happens. Uh, Fred Rosser comes out. He's a baby face. Look at him. Rah, rah, boom. He gets fucking Canamaro gambited by Juice Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> and Juice just beats the shit out of him. Pile driver on the stage, suplex on the floor. He and the I'm pretty sure this ref is that is the uh, AEW ref Rump Thump, and uh, he takes him out with the right hand of God, and he uses Tony the Tony Storm chair to beat up uh, Fred Rosser, and he loads up his fist with a bunch of change, and it doesn't look nearly as cool as he thought it was going to look backstage. Like something, <laughs> he thought this was going to look awesome, and really it just looks like he's digging around trying to scratch his balls. And then he pulls out like quarters, but they're all falling out of his hand. And he punches Fred Rosser and he fro- he quotes the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air um, and on the microphone says, keep my wife's name out your mouth. And I think he thought that was going to be like the like fucking you want to talk about gifts. This was going to be the, the fucking best gift ever. You know, this was going to be a big deal. And it, it was not. What was this? It's a DQ. There's no finish, by the way, everyone. But yeah. what was this? That's not even a DQ. They didn't even start a match. There was no match. So it's a it's not a match. And uh, it's some kind of what? skit to get over <clears throat> Juice. Hopefully no one's hurt. 
you know, and yeah, they had to do this don't... all of a sudden. You don't do a thing like this on a fucking pay-per-view. You do this on your weekly strong show to build up to the pay-per-view match. What are you doing? And why is he going full Will Smith? Dude, you don't have to worry about Fred Roster being and Tony Storm. Like, come on, man. He's just there to fucking beat your ass up. I don't know what's going on. But this was weird to me, and I didn't like it. Uh, This is... is, I wasn't, mad. I wasn't mad, so because then no. I, I didn't have to watch this match. <laughs> well, yeah, it, like, you didn't seem to be too bothered by, like, oh, I've got to cover this match. Oh, well, this is going to take, like, two minutes, and then, yeah, yeah, but I don't know. This is a weekly strong thing. Like, this and the AR Fox match, like, they're weekly strong shenanigans that should have happened, not, like, on the paper. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get into what I think is one of the best matches of the night. Uh, it is uh, Naito, Tetsuya Naito, and Hiromu Takahashi versus Sanada, world champion Sanada, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. There's Kanemaru and Hiromu to start, and uh, Kanemaru's like, oh, Hiromu, your legs still work. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, Hiromu runs uh, Katamaru and sends uh, Sonata into the railing as well. So uh, LIJ are full heel here. Uh, there's double teams on Hiromu and... No, sorry, on Katamaru. And Hiromu is a giant douche getting the figure four onto Katamaru. So, like, is it just me, dude? Or is uh, is Hiromu reaching Okada levels of dickness right about now? <laughs> he was such a dick in this match. I mean... It was ridiculous. He also brought out Daryl Takahashi. So he's, and by the way, Daryl, you already died. Just wanted to let you know. But, um, <laughs> it, you know, we saw him. He did die. So anyway, it's just, I can't believe, like, he was doing shit like holding Kanemaru on the outside so Naito can, like, pretend to dive on him. What the fuck? Like, you know, I, I was, I don't know. I'm really mad at Hiromu right now. Fuck him. Yeah. In a good way, though, like, like when he get, when he loses that belt, like it's gonna be oh, this is great. A, a yeah. big mark out moment. Yeah, this is really cool shit. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Hiromu tries to chop down Sonata when he's in the ring, but uh, he he takes he takes his chops. He's a heavy. He's not going down. And takes Hiromu down with one. And then I see one of the most surreal things I I've seen this year. There's a paradise lock on Hiromu Takahashi. Ah. <laughs> uh, Wow. <laughs> and uh, I think you're right, Mr. Andy. Sonata quitting has brought out Naito and Hiromu's vindictive jerk streak. Like, they've always had that, but now that now they've just kind of dialed it up. It's awesome. And this is an amazing match that teases so much. It teases some Naito, Sonata, Katamaru, Hiromu, and Hiromu, Sonata as well. Love the storytelling here. That there's... I, I just think there's going to be some great ongoing chemistry between LAJ and just five guys. And this is a, another really good indication of it. Uh, the match ends the way it should end with Katamaru. Uh, he rolls up Hiromu, but Hiromu kicks out. So Katamaru does the extra stank pin and he pins the junior champion. Woo! So, uh, yeah, I love this match. I thought it was a really cool time. And, uh, I have to admit, like, this is one of the matches where I was like, you and I are, I'm and I are, do we get this? Do we, do we pass it up? Like, do we get it? 
But I was like, well, I want to see the Zack Sabre Jr. title match, and I want to see the ongoing Night uh, uh, LAJ Just Five Guys stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. They got well, a couple things about this. One is that I have uh, made a discovery that has been in my mind ever since I heard first uh, Sonata's theme for the first time, is that it sounds just like a fucking song by Real Big Fish called Brand New Song. And so... I couldn't help it, but at the end of this episode, it'll be like a few seconds of silence, but then you will hear Sonata's theme, and then you'll hear Brand New Song. So I just want to let everybody know, if you're interested in my silly theory, you'll hear that at the very end of the episode after everything else. So that's going to be a thing. And I was really glad Just Fight Guys won. Um, I thought it was in you know really fun match, and Naito's a fucking prick too, and goddamn. But after the match, they're even bigger assholes because... First of all, Naito looks pissed at Hiromu. He's like, God damn it, we lost. Like, it matters. Losing to, like, he usually doesn't care about tag matches, but losing to Sonata matters, and he's pissed. That's great. But they kind of, like, stay in the ring, and they won't leave. <laughs> that is like that is like Hulk Hogan levels of just fucking asshole to him. You, you don't do that. You don't, like, stay in the ring when the guy who won is standing there trying to celebrate, and they've done that now twice. So... That is yeah. uh, outrageous behavior, and I, I really like it. But I fucking don't like it. <laughs> it's awesome. So, anyway. All right, Luke. This next match, I was really hoping I didn't get this one. But here we are. It is hey, strong. If you want. If nope, you want, I'll nope, take this. I'm you already going. Event. Here we go. Already right, rolling. So, the next match is strong open weight title match. It's Eddie Edwards versus Kenta. Now, Kenta, Luke, he has a lot of personality and wrestling skill, right? He's a great in-ring talent, but he's in there with a personality vacuum. Like, that's just my opinion. I, I find Eddie Edwards to be uh, a deal breaker. <laughs> I just, he's just so... Just makes you wish it was Eddie Kingston instead. I mean, anyone else named Eddie. You know, I, I just, it, it, I, I can't think... Eddie Munster would have been better, right? So this is just boring. I don't care there's some decent things that happen, especially late in the match, but it's well executed and whatnot. There's some good chops and stuff, but I just, this was very average. It felt very similar to me to the juice Robinson versus air Fox match where the conclusion is a four, you know, the endings, the foregone conclusion, and that shouldn't matter, but it does. And I just thought this match was a, a lame duck. My friend, it was, it was a match that existed. I watched it. I sure did. Especially when it's your semi-main event. Like, this should have been before uh, the LAJ uh, Just Five Guys match or something. But then you would have had two Bullet Club shenanigan matches in a row. So yeah, I guess I'd mix it up. And I get it. it. There's also another problem with this match is the heel-face dynamic. They're both trying to be heels. So Kenta becomes the face during the match, but he doesn't want the cheers. So <laughs> this doesn't work. It does not work. So, and, like, yeah. And, and, yeah, I just find I know Eddie Edwards is a many time impact champion. That doesn't mean anything to me here. It just doesn't. Sorry. No, me neither. OK, but, but before way, we talk about the. Yes. Yeah. No. I was going to mention, uh, by the way, no one seems to mind that Kenta always uh, wins his matches by cheating off his ass house of torture style. Mind you, it's by himself. This, but, uh, oh, no one this, seems to have a big deal about Kenta doing it. Oh, but they they, just, they should have brick when evil does. Does this fucking match need that? Does it need a ref bump and all this no. shit? 
I mean, come on, man. It doesn't need any of that. It didn't add mm-hmm. anything. Um, but, but Luke, before the main event, all right, we do get something that's kind of fun, but also awkward. As we get the, the lights. All right, so it, it's something funny. I don't think I've ever noticed this before, but I bet it's happened many times on New Japan shows. I just never have noticed this before. Is that, okay, so Kenta wins. I mean, in a split second after he wins, there's a video that plays, and it's Hikaleo being like, oh, congratulations on your win. Like, wait a second. How did he know? This is pre-recorded. <laughs> so, so I'm sure that's every single challenge uh, video, and for some reason it just stuck out like a sore thumb here. So probably because I just watched Eddie Edwards versus Kenta, but uh, Hikaleo challenges via video package for the uh, uh, title at uh, Wrestling Dantaku, and the crowd doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Well, no, because they're in America. They're not going to go to Don Taku and have to wake up and someone oh. got to lay out and watch it. Dude, no, 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 that's not, that's not, that's not it. That's not all. This is a pre-recorded promo, and it's probably good that they pre-recorded this because if it was a live promo going, congratulations on your win, it might have been even worse. Because the the fucking pre-recorded promo is like this. Congratulations on your win, Kanta. I'm Cleo, and I want to challenge you for the title. And I, and and hang on, hang on, Hikaleo, can we can we stop? Can we stop this again? Well, well, hey, hey, man, what's wrong? What's wrong? Can you can you think you could do this without sounding bland as fuck? Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, let me take two, take two. All right. I got a title match coming up with you in Dontaku. I'm really big and I'm going to be. Can you? You know what? Never mind. We'll just. We'll just. It's put bad. This oh. There's no fire or nothing. You know. <clears throat> it's like he should. You gotta be. If Aren't you the be, guy who beat Jay White and kicked him out of Japan? Where's your fire? Hey, I kicked. I kicked Jay White out of Japan, and guess what, bitch? I kick your ass out of Japan too when I take your strong title. Boom. Pretty easy, right? Oh, I don't know how to do sound stuff and make sound good, but I can I can do Hikaleo's promos for him, no problem. Well, at least <laughs> at least something good happens next, you know. Finally, we get something that's kind of fun here. Yes, we do. Uh, look, I only have one problem with this match, and I'll, I'll get it out of right right at the start. But we have the motor, the strong champions, uh, tag champions, the Motor City Machine Guns. Versus the IWGP Tag Champions, that's Aussie Open, and the Dream Team, which is, of course, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada. Now, there's only one problem I have with this match, and it has nothing to do with the actual match itself. But I'm going to say this right now. Stop putting the Dream Team in title matches, because you're never going to put another belt on Okada, ever, are you? You would have done it already. Now... It would make sense for his second title to have it with maybe Tanahashi. That would be a dream run. I don't know why they refused to pull, pull, pull the trigger on that. But uh, it, it just makes me feel like every time they're in a tag match, I'm like, yeah, they're there for the star power and stuff like that, and that's great. But they're losing. <laughs> and I sat there all this match thinking, God damn it, is this just going to be Tanahashi losing again? Because why can't it? Carter's not eating one of these. Hell no. But uh, <laughs> like, yeah. and so it lulled me in a false sense of security, but like that. So when the actual finish happened, I was like, "Fuck yeah, all right." Okay, I didn't expect that. This is a pretty cool match, uh, and it just builds and builds. There's only all right. The other problem is there's six giant guys in the ring, and it's 
I didn't really notice it that much with the opening like multi-man tag match, maybe because there's a lot of junior guys in that match, so it wasn't so noticeable. But these are all big dudes, especially when you got like <laughs> fucking Okada and Dunkzilla and uh, you know Tanahashi in the ring, and well, Coffee. Look, they're, they're four really huge dudes, and that ring is not the biggest, but <laughs> they make it work. They make it work. They're pros. Yeah. So it's it's action packed. It's it's pretty exciting. I don't know where it's going. Like I feel like I did in my brain. I'm like, all right, maybe see machine guns either Pintana or one of the Aussie Open guys, Pintana. That was all I <laughs> just kind of laser focused in on this. So when it turns out to be a bloody Corialis on was I think it was Alex Shelley, is that correct? No, uh, it was uh, Chris Saban. No, yeah, you're right. It was Chris Saban. Uh, I was like, holy shit. And one, two, all right, someone going to come and jump on. Three, and we got, holy shit, we got Aussie Open yeah. two belts. And it just makes you really happy because they work hard. They work – I know everyone works hard, but I feel like the Aussie Open boys have been like, we're not getting any dates. I guess we've got to work harder. I guess. So they did. Now they've got the fucking – both New Japan's tag team – tag titles they're, they're blowing up everywhere they had a really great new japan cup this is like a week after uh, kyle fletcher the madman uh had a amazing tag match with bishamon like with a bleeding bloody head yeah they they just dude they just continue to impress like i think i don't know everyone can talk about Bishamon maybe or FTR and the Young Bucks. I don't know I put Bishamon in that. I'm sorry, but uh, my favorite and the Lucha Bros. But I think my favorite tag teams the uh, Milesy Boys. Yeah, I mean it's hard to argue with that, dude. They're pretty <laughs> awesome, and it's been fun to watch them move forward. I mean we always want progression with wrestlers, right? We want the story to move forward. We want their them to get something new happen and whatnot. And so it's been really fun to see them actually move forward. And it was an interesting match because they actually, like both of the teams that weren't the dream team, didn't want to wrestle the dream team in kayfabe. So they were trying to knock them off the ring, you know, apron and keep them out of the ring. And that I was know how dangerous they are. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was really, that was really smart. And so I really enjoyed that. And so when, you know, guys like, uh, Tanahashi and Okada are in there doing stuff. Everything they do, they does matters. And they both had the most reaction of anybody of the night. They had some really great crowd shots, especially during the Aces entrance. That was pretty great. I do have a beef with the crowd. They were saying, let's go Ace. Let's go Ace. Well, that's, you know, one too many words, guys. You got, I mean, he's literally telling you on the way to the ring what, how to cheer. Go Ace. You got it, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> but Anyway, I'm really it's glad. In the song. Yeah, I, I'm really happy for Aussie Open. The show, I, you know, it was a show. It's fun. It, it, I, I agree. Uh, even the last show it started 45 minutes late. I liked it more. Uh, I will. Well, we, we talked about what we liked about the show. Like, I loved the LAJ match. The main event's really good. I know you didn't like it as much as me, but I like Lawless at SJ, and Ishii Despi is always a good time. And there was some story stuff, too, that we'll um, 
actually affect uh, the uh, Japanese wrestling. You know, you've got uh, Katamaru pinning Her- uh, Hiromu, and you've also got, uh, you know, Clark Connors uh, joining Bullet Club. I know he's more of an American strong guy, but he's going to be up down soon, hopefully, for the uh, best of Super Juniors. But, yeah, this is the this is so far my least favorite American pay-per-view event that we've covered. Uh, maybe that first one was pretty bad, where it was, like, yeah. it was, like, in standard definition. It was so hard to watch, that very first one, I think. Um, maybe that was the first Battle in the Valley. That one was real bad. But, uh, you know, the wrestling was okay. Uh, but, anyway, this was a, a show that we watched. Um, Luke, we got a couple more things to do before we hang it up here tonight, though. We got Ian's ROH review, and we have a wrestler diary. What do you think? You want to hear from Ian? Hell yeah, let's do it. Hi Luke and Andy, this is Ian with another Ring of Honor review. Actually made up two Ring of Honor reviews. Time got away from me the last couple of weeks. Sorry guys. First up, we have the review for April the 6th. After the dramatic events of the pay-per-view, we settle into the start of the build for the next round of Ring of Honor shows. Thankfully, they don't completely lose their minds, tear up the scripts, and put out some absolutely half-baked bollocks that buries their most significant babyface. I mean, what kind of promotion would do that? We start off with Christopher Daniels issuing a super respectful challenge to Katsuyori Shibata for a match later on on the show. Daniels is a superb safe pair of hands for easing Shibata into a slightly more regular schedule, so this could be a lot of fun. First match on the cards pits Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers against Shane Taylor and the Workhorsemen. In AW, this would just be a squash. In Ring of Honor, it's a long back-and-forth match where several of the best wrestlers in the world let some of the hardest-working hands on the indies get some shine. The Workhorsemen are incredibly unappreciated as a team, and I'd love to see them getting time to show how special they can be. Next up... Katsuyori Shibata defends his pure title against Christopher Daniels. There's only one thing wrong with this match. It's not the wrestlers, both of whom give very good performances. It's not the match itself, which is one of the better pure matches and is a careful and unhurried sporting contest. It's the audience, who I don't think knew what they were getting into. Pure matches aren't wild affairs usually, and this being a crowd who just watched Dynamite and kind of wanted to go home, they weren't as awake as this match needed them to be. Following this, we get a backstage interview with Claudio, where he showed off his heel colours. He made it very clear that the Eddie rivalry is ongoing, as it should be. After this, Brian Cage came out to fight Ortiz. I really do think that Ortiz has been lost in the shuffle in a way that he doesn't deserve. He's been a linchpin in every big-name AW multi-man match, from Blood and Guts to Anarchy and Arena to both stadium stampedes, but without Santana, no one seems to know what to do with him. That's a shame, as he's excellent and deserves more than losing to Brian Cage, the show after a pay-per-view he wasn't even on. Next up, we get a singles outing for Darius Martin, facing Jay Lethal. The Kingdom are on commentary for this, and after a while I can even tell the difference between Matt Taven and Guy Who Isn't Matt Taven. Darius is good, but needs time to hone himself as a singles performer. Thankfully, whatever else he is, Jay Lethal is an excellent and gifted performer, and a good guy to learn against. The match is cut short by the intervention of the Kingdom, which gives Lethal the win and opens up story possibilities for Darius. 
One of the things I've appreciated about Ring of Honor is giving me weekly chances to see Roosh and Drillistico, who are never pushed enough in AEW and are unlikely to appear in New Japan because of the AAA situation, although I understand Drillistico is heading to Noah soon. They're taking on the infantry. This is usually the point where I say that the infantry are a really impressive team, as they lose. I'm getting a bit bored of saying that now. I'd prefer to talk about how look they're good in victory. Throw them some scrubs, please, Tony. Next up, Daniel Garcia faces Tracy Williams in what I was surprised to learn was their first ever singles match. It feels like with the amount of time both these guys put into the indies in New York State, they should have crossed paths a few times, especially as they fall into this match like evenly matched old pros. You could do something with Tracy Williams here, and he and Garcia have a great match. I won't ramble too much about the things you could do with Tracy Williams, or I'll find myself suggesting a BDK reunion with Claudio, or pairing him with Orange Cassidy to bring the colony back. Next up, Notorious Mimi fights Willow Nightingale. Not for Ring of Honor, the AEW mandated one women's match per show. Here we have two. This is a squash. Mimi looks pretty good while being squashed, though, including a cell for the pounce that makes her look like a dead body. Speaking of squashes, up next we have The Righteous vs. Stephen Azure and Steve Somerset, the Even Stevens. God, I'm so sick of Tony Khan and his Even Steven booking. As matches go, this is a showcase for The Righteous, which makes it a bit of a shame that I can't remember anything The Righteous did during this match, and I don't think the audience can either. We do end the night strong, though, with two excellent singles matches. First up, Tony Nice takes on Konosuke Takeshita. One of the first things Nigel does on commentary is to compare Takeshita to Kazuchika Okada, and maybe it's just me, but I don't get that comparison at all. They're both Japanese, they're both tall and larger of frame than most Japanese people are, they're both very good wrestlers, but that's where the comparison ends for me. Everything else about their approach to matches, their style, and the way they respond to a crowd couldn't be more different. Back to the match, as a pure wrestling match, this is probably the best I've ever seen Tony Nese. He shows a lot of personality, he has some excellent grappling, and he keeps the match exciting. I just wish they'd pick a character for him that wasn't arrogant, talented guy. Anything at all that isn't bland guy who can wrestle really well, and he'd be compelling. He's already more than good enough in the ring. Our main event is appropriately the best match on the card. Miyu Yamashita faces Athena for the ROH women's title, and it's everything you could want out of those words. Miyu is so cool as to be ice cold and executes her match with perfect form and vicious kicks. Athena is, well, Athena. Her character is super simple. Number one, she's a bully and a bad guy. Number two, she loves being a bully and a bad guy. She has so much fun beating people up, and both of the competitors in this match clearly enjoy everything that's going on as it spills out of the ring and all over the place. Miu lands kick after kick at every height and in every position. Athena chucks her around the place like a porcelain doll. I just wish this match, which I really like, had the audience that it deserved. Ring of Honor, with its sparse pay-per-views, is always going to be a slow burn. I don't know how mobile they plan to make their titles, though I have to imagine that Shibata is a limited engagements thing, 
but they have the chance to have some stories that grow slowly and change course and allow talent and character to take centre stage. And as long as the slow burn gives off as much light as heat, I'm going to be happy. And following this, we have the events of April 13th. This starts off with Mark Briscoe having an enhancement match against Ari Davari. I understand the reasoning behind US companies not having junior heavyweight divisions and instead just making all their titles open weight, but it does mean that guys like Ari Davari don't have all that much to go for. He wouldn't suit the TV title. The pure title would work, but doesn't lend itself to the kind of high-flying he can do. So instead, he spends a lot of time losing good-to-great matches against people like Mark Briscoe. And this match definitely is good. I'd just like more, please. After Briscoe wins, he's mobbed by the rest of the varsity athletes until we get FTR showing up for the save. I'm really glad these guys re-signed for AEW, and I don't mind them pulling double duty on AEW and ROH if it means we get them teaming with Mark Briscoe. Following this, we get an Eddie Kingston package where he makes it clear that he's going to be on injury hiatus. Nobody does an angel with a dirty face like Eddie Kingston. During this match, we get footage from Kingston's first match in AEW at the height of the pandemic, which means we've seen Cody Rhodes win on ROH TV more recently than on WWE TV. Next up, we have another enhancement match, as Sky Blue takes on the debuting Kelly Madden. It's not really much of anything. The crowd don't care, the match doesn't give them a reason to. Sky is getting better, but they need to do something that gives me a reason to look up during her matches. Our next match is thankfully a lot more competitive, as Mike Bennett takes on Darius Martin, cementing that the Kingdom feud isn't over. In front of a purely ROH crowd, this match would have done really well, but this was all taped before Dynamite, so not all the people who are watching actually care what's happening. They do, however, pop for a range of exceptional spots, which are all but guaranteed in a Darius Martin match. Mike Bennett cheats for the win, and then the Kingdom jump Martin, leading to Wish.com Dante Martin, I'm sorry, leading to Action Andretti making the save. Okay, that's fine, and makes sense story-wise. Here's hoping that Andretti continues to get better as the series goes on. Following a competitive loss against Daniel Garcia last week, Tracy Williams faces Wheeler Utah, cementing in my head the idea that they're actually doing something with Williams. This is a brutal back-and-forth between two guys who know each other incredibly well, and in fact used to team together and beyond. The result is two guys who genuinely like wrestling each other, having a hell of a match. Obviously, Utah wins, but the win makes Williams look like a contender. The next match made me go and look for my fantasy dream book, only to find that Tony Khan had stolen it and is booking matches from it in ROH. The workhorsemen, J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry, battled it out against Katsuyori Shibata and Alex Coughlin, and everything about this match was what I wanted from a match like this. Shibata grapple-fucked with Henry, who was an excellent and able opponent, but the joy happened when these two guys tag out and gave us J.D. Drake versus Alex Coughlin, a huge North Carolina shit-kicker versus the strongest guy you ever saw in your life. If you've ever seen the Big E promo about big meaty men slapping meat, that's this part of the match. 
However, the best bit of the match is just a little bit later, when Coughlin is facing Henry and manages to get him in a headlock while Coughlin's in a seated position. You will have seen the gif of what happens after this. It was everywhere this week. But for those who haven't, Coughlin, while sitting down, flips Henry into the vertical suplex position, and then, while holding him, stands up and hits the move. I have never seen anything like it before. After this, the rest of this match is essentially academic. Shibata has a streak of perfect Shibata violence and gets the pin, but then Coughlin challenges him for the pure belt, and I I don't have words for how much I want that match. Up next, we see Willow Nightingale take on Little Mean Kathleen. Kathleen has a fun character, but Against Willow, she's more little than she is mean, and we end up with a short match that looks like the world's most pissed-off babysitter handling the world's most rowdy child. Continuing our trend of the varsity athletes being the star jobbers of the undercard, Tony Nice takes on Stu Grayson next. I love seeing Stu back and unleashed. He's just so athletically violent. He puts his whole body into his moves. Whether that's a diving sunset flip or a spill to the outside, every ounce of Stu Grayson in this match is in every moment of it. An excellent and exciting short match, after which the Righteous come out again to applaud Stu. They seem to be going for a cult recruiter angle here, which I think is exactly right. Next up, Athena faces Ashley D'Amboise in a Proving Ground match. If Ashley wins, she gets a title shot, and yeah, that's not happening. Once you get over the fact that no booker on planet Earth is putting Ashley over Athena, you can have fun with this match. Ashley has something. I just hope we get to find out what that something is. Backstage after the match, Ashley gets a backstage promo, does nothing with it, and gets clobbered by Athena who demands better competition. They're setting something up here, and I hope it turns out to be a good something. In our main event, Claudio Castagnoli defends the world title against Metalik, and I am not sure why. Metalik's match before this was a loss while going for the six-man titles. His last singles match was a loss to Ari Davari on the first episode of ROH on Honor Club. So, why is he getting a title shot? It's not a bad match at all, and Metalik is good enough to make Claudio look vulnerable a few times, but this is a match that needs a couple of more weeks' build to do what they wanted it to do. I want to believe that it's possible for Metalik to do more than lose really well. The show was shorter this week, and also felt a little less consequential. It had some really good matches, and one moment that's going to live in my wrestling brain forever, but it also felt constrained by being taped in front of a purely AEW audience. I hope they fix their recording schedule soon, as Ring of Honor needs to be more than just AEW Junior if it's going to thrive. Thanks guys, and until next time, keep it honorable. Alright, well, that was another amazing review, as usual, from Ian, and he did two shows this time, so that was awesome. Thank you, Ian. I do want to have a little chat about Anthony Henry. So he's getting some opportunities on AEW television, or ROH, excuse me, that's what we're talking about, versus Shibata and shit like that. So cool. 
him and J.D. Drake are tremendous. And I, I have more experience with Anthony Henry than I do J.D. Drake as far as like seeing them on the indies. However, you know, I've seen them both all the way back to 2017. And I just want to like recommend some matches. Listen, these are so good. And I need to just post links to them or something or figure out a way to get them out there. There's there's two uh, like opponents of his that are just I mean, it's just some of the best shit ever. Like legit, some of my favorite matches ever. First of all, is it's from IWA Mid South. It's uh, Ted Petty Invitational 2018, a- aka the TPI. It's Anthony Henry versus Eddie Kingston. It is one of the most realistic matches. I was there, and Eddie Kingston starts selling his knee during the match, and I thought his knee was fucked. I was, I mean, like I he fucking sold me a bill of goods, and I bought it, and it had this really cool shoot finish to it that was just unbelievable. Such a great match. And that's one thing I love about Anthony Henry is he has this like really um, tremendous shoot style that's a little different than what you see from most people. It's very Japanese, but in a like in a different way. And so that's one match you got to watch. The other one is is actually two matches. And I think they both both happen and evolve. And it was Anthony Henry versus this guy. His name's Tiger Ruas now. And AEW signed him, and then he just never did anything. I don't know if he's still on the roster or what, but he was um, Arturo Ruas in, uh, like, NXT, I think, and also in um, Evolve. And those two, like, he's like a capoeira fighter, and so it's like a capoeira wrestler versus Anthony Henry's, like, shoot style. It's fucking awesome. They have two matches together. They're both incredible. I mean – flying leg scissors roll up like 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 mid section leg scissors stuff like there is uh, i could go on and on about those matches they're so good dude gotta find them nice fuck yeah and i'm both excited and also a little down on all the shibata stuff yeah he's wrestling daniels that's really cool I'm like it's on ring of honor new japan are you really that scared to let this man do his thing because I'd like to see him in Japan, but yeah. Even on his strong shows, he's not even wrestling. If he's going to stay in America to do the LA Dojo stuff, you can't. Yeah. All right. I don't understand. Yeah. He's got, he's got nuclear heat. That's all that. That's the. <laughs> he's got Kushida way. heat at the moment. Yeah. I guess so. Him and Kushida are buddies now, but uh, <laughs> that was, uh, I, I mean, I'm happy some people are getting to, to see him wrestle and I'm happy that guys are getting to wrestle him. Cause it seems like, you know, I mean, what, uh, Alice Coughlin's going to get to wrestle him. So that's pretty cool, man. Cause they probably known each other a long time and, yeah. you know, Alice Coughlin's been wanting to do that for a long time. So I'm happy that he's, he's like one of the wrestlers that I'm kind of happy he's in America, you know? Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, uh, you know, you know us like, you know, selfish pricks who want our new Japan wrestlers to be in Japan. <laughs> it's true. You know? It's true. <laughs> it's definitely a big uh that's definitely a big part of it for me but uh yeah so here we go as we've been doing a lot lately we have a wrestler diary we have actually have another one in our in in the, in the can as well that that will be uh the next episode i won't tease who that is uh but uh this week thanks to jamie we have bushi we have a diary by Bushi. It is episode 246. Holy shit. He writes a lot of diary entries, I guess. And it's entitled, 
Lost in Goblin Now Bless, Day Upon. Okay, so, yeah, cool. And the first thing is a photo. It's not a photo. It's a picture. It's drawing. It's a really good – yeah, it's a drawing of Bushi, which looks really detailed and really cool. And then right next to him, there's Sad Bushi. <laughs> there's, there's no explanation. <laughs> yeah. There's no explanation for Sad Bushi in the, in the whole uh, diary entry, but there it is. Uh, I don't know. If he drew that or if somebody else drew that, uh, what, what's he feeling that he, that he's got that guy behind him? I don't know. It looks or, like it the first time. <laughs> it's like the first time he tried to draw his head versus the most recent time he tried to draw. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's really, I, I don't understand it, but that is a thing. Yeah. So it's dated March 27th, 2023. <clears throat> All right. Strap in, everyone. It's Bushi time. Before I entered this industry, I worked in a pachinko hall. At the, at the time, the way it was done was to stack the boxes of payouts and line them up and carry them out when it was time to redeem them. I suddenly thought of going there for the first time in a while and played a little. First of all, I played slot machines and jugglers. And then there's a photo of uh, some strange-looking contraption. When the go-go chance light comes on, whenever you just push the button, when the go-go chance light comes on, whenever you just push the button, this skill, this skill stop is quite difficult. I remember I failed many times when I was working there, but I had customers teach me tricks and help me out. I got about 500 coins in a row, but all my medals were swallowed up. So uh, if you understand uh, pachinko machines, everyone, I uh, hopefully that that gave you a lot of fucking context. I guess I don't know. Next, I tried Pachinko. Oh, shit. Umimono Katari. It's a very wow. nostalgic machine. I butchered that. We all know it. Yeah, you're good. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't come up. I haven't approached that on Dwee uh, Leaper yet. It's a very nostalgic <laughs> machine. And I love that it hasn't changed its winning conditions over the years. When you win, it only pays out a few thousand yen. On the other hand, when you don't, you can spend tens of thousands of yen and still get nothing. It's only when I have plans for the rest of the day that I actually get anywhere. And then there's another photo of uh, a pachinko machine. That's exactly what happened this time. Unlike in the old days, nothing is done manually anymore. Everything is done by card. I mustn't get, get addicted to it. Exactly, man. Settle down on the, on the uh, yeah. gambling. Holy shit. Speaking of changes, Sonata is gone. What oh. changes? Oh, because they're all done manually now. Okay. Speaking Gee. of changes, Sonata is gone. I think it's fine if that's what Sonata really wants to do. When I myself left All Japan Pro Wrestling, it's not like I consulted with Sonata or anything. I feel like <laughs> I have been by Sonata's side for a long time in this world of wrestling, especially after we joined Lost in Goblin Nobles there, help on. could just read Ellen RJ, it's all right. We spent a lot of time together. A few years ago, we did a New Japan tour, went overseas together, came back and started a new tour right away. We spent more time with each other than we did our, with our families. I'm sure we'll be on opposite sides of the ring from now on, and I'm sure we'll be competing against each other, and I think that'll be fun. I'm about to turn 40. What kind of year will this be? Let's think about the future while, my drink, while drinking my favourite drink. Aww. And it is some kind of... It's Jack bushy, Daniels. It's like bushy whiskey. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's bushy whiskey. Feliz Campilanos. 
It, that means happy birthday. Ah, thank well, you. Feliz cumpleaños. So cumpleaños. So. Oh well. Yeah. yeah. My uh, if I don't know the Japanese word, that's brutal. And uh, that's wait till you hear my Spanish. Well, el duolipo was that. That's what I had to do. For <laughs> so uh, like, all right. So he used to work at, at a pachinko place. I'm so like poking poking machine. We call them poking machines here. We you know all okay. one arm bandits for the old name when they were manual. So he's 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 spending his uh. Job, jobbing money on uh, <laughs> on pachinko machines. Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, he gets also, free tours, so he doesn't have to spend it on that, you know. That's right. That's what's that's that's why Sonata and him went overseas after a tour together. <laughs> hey, uh, I, 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 <laughs> I'm going on a tour courtesy of Jeff Cobb Airlines. Do you want to come with me? <laughs> I'll show you where I get my hair braided and my masks made. That wasn't a bad one. It's kind of, it's kind of nice. It's, you know, I, I personally wish he was a little less mature about the whole thing because Naito and Hiromu are being dicks about it. And Bushi's just kind of like, ah, you know, I like, I like Sonata. Yeah. He wants, <laughs> okay, buddy. So <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, he had some nice little story. Got some weird pachinko. Some of the, if I read that weird, everyone, uh, he wrote a weird Bushy, so not enough punctuation and stuff, and it confused my brain. I did read this beforehand, but it was last night, so uh, you know, he was drinking whiskey, you know, it's his birthday was, or some shit. So he was drinking whiskey and uh, lamenting the loss of thousands and thousands of yen. Poor Bushy, <laughs> poor Bushy, exactly. He's definitely poor now, so yeah. Uh, I was gonna say it's a really good show, but. No, this was because I had really lots of fun recording it, even though yeah. the actual New Japan Pro Wrestling show uh, was not my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Is what so, it is. Uh, well, I'm, you know, we got a couple days off, and then I'm sure we'll have the Road to Wrestling Don Taco, you know, and that'll be coming up. And Don Taco. Well, well, who knows? We might have Never Realm in between now and there. We just don't know. Yep. Uh, we do not, and there's no shows until what Sunday? Uh, or sure. do we get? We don't have to watch the Hiroki Goto 20th anniversary event, do we? Because that would be like I, your nightmare. I'm not watching that. <laughs> you can't make that me watch for that. myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine with me. I you send me the recording, I'm not posting it. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! So uh, I'd, I'd love it if that was a house show because that that would just make uh, make you laugh and uh, that would be that'd be great. So yeah. All right, Mister Dude. That's unless me. that is you, uh, unless there's anything that you'd like to add. Oh, by the way, I didn't say that everyone should um, if they have a little extra money, they should uh, buy our shit uh, on Teespring where they could look never as far. But uh, I'll do it now, right at the end, where people definitely have heard up to this point and will do exactly that. <laughs> but uh, unless, Mr. Guy, unless you have something to add. <gasps> Engato, we trust. 